0: Hello, dear friends. Welcome to another edition of Forum 2000 Online Chats. I'm Jessica Ludwig, Director for Freedom and Democracy at the George W. Bush Institute based in Dallas, Texas. Today, I'm joined by Rostislav Valvoda, who is Executive Director of the Prague Civil Society Center. And we're here today to discuss kleptocracy and corruption. Rostislav, thank you for joining us.
1: Hello, thanks for having me.
0: So I'd like to start off with um, what perhaps might be a rather, seem like a basic question, but uh, is actually worth taking a moment to reflect on, which is, can you tell us the difference between corruption, which most people tend to understand uh, based on experience or some uh, idea having heard of it, um, and kleptocracy?
1: Yeah, I think kleptocracy really is a, it's a much broader problem. It's, it's, it is uh, way beyond money. Uh, especially if we speak about uh, Russian kleptocracy. Uh, It's really, uh, you know, basically kleptocracy or corruption, corrupt money flows, illicit money flows. Uh, The Russian spy networks and the the infrastructure that they're using and organized crime, they all, like, all overlap. And it's at places you can't really tell one from another. So, So it is a really much, much bigger issue that we're dealing with and it's, a, it's an issue that really is connected to uh, to our security just this past few days that you know the Czech police uh, the and police in Czech Republic and Germany they, they busted some scheme where where Russian spies were trying to get some chemicals that are being used for, for nerve agent uh, production manufacturing in Russia that are of course banned and so they were trying to use this kind of di- discreet clandestine uh, uh, networks uh, to to actually get hold of, of these chemicals that they otherwise would have no chance to to get into Russia, obviously. Uh, and the point is that uh, you know all these corrupt schemes and, and some money that is being stashed here uh, is part of this infrastructure uh, of, of of essentially you know war machine uh, the, the 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 what the go- Russian government is currently waging. And um, also, I think, in understanding the scope and scale of the problem, it's, uh, you know, it's great that we now have these uh, 1,000 plus oligarchs, largely really wealthy inter- individuals and all these kind of yacht- in their yards and kind of crazily lavish lifestyles that are now under sanctions. But I think what we need to understand fundamentally about the Russian system of governance is that over the past decades what Putin has created was essentially a sort of feudal system when any public official, be it judge, prosecutor uh, or whoever had some power over others, over citizens, they basically used this function, this uh, public role to extort money from whoever they could exert authority over. And, and all this money that has been over these two decades, uh, uh, basically taken from Russian people in the form of bribes or, or what, whatever, uh, that has gradually been stashed and saved in the rule of law societies, like Czech Republic, like UK, uh, like Germany, uh, and they have used they have used these jurisdictions simply because it's safe here, because we ha- exactly because we have the rule of law uh... which they don't uh... and so basically they are using our countries as saving boxes uh... and we need to do something about it
0: so you just described kleptocracy really as a systemic form of corruption where corruption uh... and the capturing of the state's resources are then available to autocratic leaders uh... who who can use that for their own Political agenda and in Russia's case, uh, this is helping to to fund uh, their current war in in Ukraine. Um, could you speak a little bit more to how to, you were describing how Russian money has? There's so much of it has been stolen. Much of it has left the country and is being stashed uh, in, in many places around the world, including in the West. Can you describe a bit more in in more detail how this? Impacts the international financial system.
1: Um, I think it, it has actually a huge impact on the on the international financial uh, system because it's not just about a property that's been bought and whatever you know market prices have gone up as a result. It's it's really uh, you know sort of. They de- developed specific money laundering schemes and sort of uh, um, and, and created whole networks of lawyers, travel agents, companies what sometimes called enablers uh, to basically help them station their money their money here and and as i said like these these people really are then and to be you know used for whatever russian uh, secret service operations that that you know out there to whatever blow up an ammunition depot in this country or kill somebody uh so so th- this is really kind of part and parcel of their of their operation you can't always tell where one sort of starts and the and and the, the other finishes so um uh, this has a huge impact on us, and I believe that you know now that we have finally woken up to the problem, we just need to try and clean up as much as we can our financial system and our proper, pro- property markets uh, from this, uh, because uh, it's 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 money that's been stolen from from uh, the public, and it's as you rightly said, is the money that's being used to finance. Uh, the war in Ukraine, uh, we just want to stop that.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so, getting actually picking up on this, uh, what can be done to stop that? Uh, I'd like to ask you a bit more about um, what's already being done, uh, particularly uh, through investigative journalism, since the Prague Civil Society Center, as I understand, works with a lot of investigative journalists in, in Russia, and uh, Central Asia and uh, parts of Eastern Europe. Could you tell us a little bit more about how investigative journalists, uh, you know, whether it's work through work that you've done or work that's already being done, are able to contribute to solutions to this problem?
1: I think what uh, the amazing work that's being done already by investigative journalists and, and especially these networks of in, uh, investigative journalists, because it's really you know, you're essentially dealing with mafia structures that are transnational, that are sort of spending lots of money to hide where they come from, where they kind of, you know, what they use as as, the, as their safe havens. Uh, so it's really complex and really technical work, and for that uh, you need collaboration of journalists in different in different countries uh, all around. Um, uh, so I think where what's amazing is like the fact that they. Have managed to uncover all this against all the efforts of of of, of these corrupt uh, oligarchs and and uh, the enablers, uh, uh, but then uh, and also kind of took the courage to do that because it's really really dangerous. I mean, these guys are uh, you know it costs them lots of money, so they they can really uh, uh, kill for that. Um, but it, I think they've done a great job in actually highlighting the problem and sort of showing the individual cases that some of the, you know, uh, most uh, uh, disgusting examples of, of of these, you know, perversely lavish lifestyles uh, that some of these uh, oligarchs and their families uh, lived. Uh, and I think that's good for the public to sort of recognize and realize the scale of the problem. Uh, and this is what where the journalists what the journalists are great at i think in in addition to that you then need really activists or anti-corruption campaigners who will somehow you know distill from all these stories individual stories um, what the loophole, loopholes are in our system like are able to understand the legal intricacies uh, of of uh, of various jurisdictions actually see what what loopholes are being misused and sort of put this on the table in policy-making ma- policy circles and policy-making debate and say look, we just, if we want to stop that, not just you know, prosecute these individual cases but also like, change the system in a way that this is made impossible, uh, this is what you need to do. And I think we need that as well, sort of in parallel um, uh, to that and uh and thirdly i think uh civil society journalists and 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 anti-corruption campaigners can very uh be very uh sort of can great, can provide great input in terms of how to bolster our sanctions against russia uh that are there to punish uh russia for for the war that it uh russia is waging and uh, and also, I believe, uh, contribute to the reconstruction of, of Ukraine, of this kind of terrible uh, terrible damage that's been done to the country. Um, and uh, I, the point is that we simply, you know, we now have about 1.2 thousand individuals uh, on under sanctions. But as I said, this is just the tip of the iceberg. It's great they are there, it's the wealthiest, it's the big, biggest individuals by and large. But where are all these, you know, dozens or, or, or sort of uh, thousands and dozens of thousands of, of all these smaller crooks, of all these, you know, prosecutors or judges from, you know, Permsky Krai or Khantyman you know, who, 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 who do not play a uh, leading role, but at the same time they are still important part of the Putin system and they are still those who actually carry uh, and continue and keep supporting the, the power uh, that is there and they are, that are using and misusing their public roles to actually pilfer the money from state budgets but also extort the money uh, from the public. It's these people that we, we need to target as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that we are speaking not 1.2 thousand people, we are speaking dozens of thousands of people, if not small hundreds, thousands of people. Uh, and I believe that this, uh, this is where civil society can actually provide quite useful insights uh, and investigative journalists can provide quite useful inf- insights because they do a work on investigating these corrupt individuals. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, you were talking about some of the more well-known cases of kleptocracy and of course the the more well-known oligarchs um, you were alluding to Um, and of course sort of thinking about where this money goes overseas beyond russia's borders where it's parked i think there are some very well-known jurisdictions already such as london uh, new york um, and uh, other traditional safe havens of dirty money but um, I'm curious does any of this money make its way into the Czech Republic?
1: It totally does, uh, in fact Czech Republic is quite popular um, and uh, to be honest I don't even think it has to do as much with uh, with um, sort of our system uh, because for instance the registries in this country uh, are quite transparent and one of the most transparent actually in Europe uh, so it's quite easy to actually find out who owns what uh, in terms of property, um, but I think it actually it simply has to do with uh, this country simply being a popular spot for, generally for Russians for Russians for Russian society uh, and Karlovy Vary the, the the spa resort uh, of old um, uh, Soviet times many will remember and sort of rever and so I think it's this that uh, that has um, you know then. Made the choice for for many uh, people who who probably you know wouldn't have enough money to afford London or French Riviera, uh, so those would then make their way here to Central Prague or Karlův Vary, uh, and uh, there is a there is lots of uh, you can if you check the the registers in those places you will see a lot of names mm-hmm. there of exactly the smaller say officials uh, not the. Not the top-notch billionaires or people whose wealth is there in the in the orders of uh, of, of billions of dollars.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and just as a, a final question, um, you know, thinking about uh, how difficult it is for uh, investigative journalists in closed societies to um, investigate, do more than than investigate uh, the this. Grand corruption and kleptocracy that's happening on, on such a, a large uh, and international scale um, it seems that there is an opportunity uh, perhaps that can be considered with uh, when that money leaves those closed jurisdictions and enters open societies uh, such as the Czech Republic. Um, can you talk about whether there are opportunities to uh, for civil society uh, to work with law enforcement in these rule of law jurisdictions to do something more uh, to go after stolen, ill-gotten gains?
1: I think there is, uh, because generally uh, the war in Ukraine has been a sort of wake-up call, I believe, for, for you know Europe and broadly the West. Uh, I mean, frankly, it's it's uh, you know uh, one uh, uh, one wake-up call too late in a way I would say, uh, but that's that's uh, that's where we are. Uh, it's better that 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 we have have had it, uh, and I think what it actually did is that it mobilized a lot of good and positive and creative energy in civil society in. Uh, in journalistic circles, in, um, in, you know, professional NGOs uh, uh, or simply just experts, you know, people who, who may have been working on public procurement here, uh, they actually realize, okay, well, we now actually have this massive problem of, of really having lots of corrupt Russian dirty money in this country and we just need, it, need, it takes big effort to actually clean it up. And and I think there's generally understanding that this is a this is sort of a, a job for, for for all of government, but also for for, for, for this collaboration uh, between experts from civil society, from from uh, journalism, uh, because it really is a complex complex effort, and it's always it's almost like no no single institution or no single um, no single kind of organization on either on government side or on civil society side non governmental side doesn't actually have all the expertise you need to tackle this problem because you, to, to tackle this problem you you need uh, the investigative journalists for the input of like what these schemes are you need lawyers you need data scientists because this is you know now working with the public registries this is big data you need somebody to process that uh, You need uh, people who understand the foreign influence operations because, as I said, this is all part of of this kind of, you know, it's basically driven by by the secret services in many uh, situations. So you need sort of collaboration of all these. And there's just no, no, single, uh, no single organization or individual that has it. So I think we ne- now need uh, and we need also to support uh, as funders sort of some of these collaborations, practical collaborations and coalitions and networks of these people who, uh, who have this job or to sort of understand that the task, okay, we, we need to ta- clean up our system from the dirty Russian money what are the steps and what are the priorities that we need to take on the legislative side but also then there is something we need to advocate for the government to really prosecute because there are some things that just need to be prosecuted. Um, So it's really a complex problem but I think we need the approach to this is is, or the response to this should be through these coalitions and networks because it's really uh, very very technical heavy so to say. Uh, The good thing is that with the with how terrible the war was, uh, has been, uh, it, it, I think, has, as I said, really mobilized and really alerted a lot of people. And so people who would not previously bother or care about Russia at all suddenly realize, okay, we have this problem as society, and they are just willing to step in and and offer their expertise and and energy and drive uh, to do that. So I'm hopeful that actually we can really move on with this problem.
0: Well, Rastislav, thank you for giving us reasons to be hopeful by helping us break down what can be done about this tremendous problem. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining us.